Kasi, Pa Lawrence, thank you. Um, we, the team of us are excited to share. It's been a few weeks because we left on the 1st of July for our trip overseas. Um, we spent about two weeks um, actually getting to and experiencing Living Waters Village. Um, and then we actually were able to stay on into other parts of Indonesia um, with connections with Dan and Joanna's extended family. So um, we got to see not just Living Waters, which is a little kind of subculture of its own in the Borneo jungle, but also a bit of a wider span of the country of Indonesia. And um, that, that was our great privilege. And I use that word on purpose <laughs> because, you know, the people we spoke to in Indonesia, they, they could not even, a lot of them, fathom leaving their country, ever having the type of money to, to go to another country to experience a different culture. So it really, really was our great privilege to go and be able to do that. Um, and uh, today we're just going to carry on this chill vibe that we have going of maybe sitting in a lounge and sharing some stories from our time. Um, and, and uh, you know, there were things that we did there. These guys probably agree that at points it found like kind of useless or pointless. Like, why am I crowbarring a nail out of an old tree stick right now? And what is this really doing to build the kingdom? <laughs> but I was chatting to a dear friend of mine when I got back, and she said to me, you know, maybe some of the biggest impact you'll have is in the telling of the stories when you're back home in Aotearoa. And I thought, wow, wow. So I really believe and hope that's true, uh, and that you guys get a, a lot out of us just telling us stories this morning. So, uh, Joanna gets to start. Everyone give it up for Joe. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you all for your support, like whether it's financially or praying for us, it meant a lot to us. Um, so, I, on the Sunday when you prayed for us, um, I had a word from God, and he said, like, um, so you're going to a country that is different to you, um, but they are also my people, and um, I w they worship me. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, and Lawrence's message was exactly that. It was like the kingdom of God is about unity. Um, and so this picture is kind of representing of that unity, um, these uh, different flags with Indonesia right in the, at the center, but it's like the different nations, different people, um, different walks of life, and um, they're coming together to, to worship God. And um, yeah, even though we like spoke different languages, we all worship the same God. Um, this is in TC, which stands for Training Center. So above um, where the pink bit is, is where the children sleep, and um, um, like the new children that have come in. So. Um, these children kind of like have been taken from the village and get assessed, see where they're at and stuff. And underneath is the communal, um, I guess, dining hall. Uh, so we had every meal there, breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, and it consisted of rice and beans. Um, so every meal, rice and beans, which um, was great, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you like rice and beans, but um, yeah, I just felt like God saying unity, like my people, you are part of this, and so we got to um, go there and be a part of their family. Um, a few of the things that um, I had to do, 
um, what we had to do. So this picture represents the many things that we did. So um, one of them, like Sonia said, was taking uh, nails out of logs, which uh, was great fun. Um, in the hot burning sun, yep. Um, I had to paint wooden doors, 51 of them, not just by myself, but with other people. Um, it was like a slow process. Um, <laughs> and I had to lift some of those woods, um, transfer them from like all around the village on trucks and stuff. Um, I got to go in the jungle and chop some branches and stuff. That was fun. Um, what else did I do? I got to do the kids program. Um, yep. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, very loud. Um, I got to do some gardening. I got to um, harvest some of the beans that we did. And I got to cut some of the beans. And apparently I was doing it wrong. Um, they're like, not like that. So I was like, okay. Um, the, to be fair, the knives were blunt. Um, so it wasn't my fault. Um, anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> one day we... Daniel, myself, and my mum, we went on, <laughs> so it looks real dodgy, and it kind of is, um, so like we had to go to, or we chose to go to another village about half an hour away, no, 40 minutes away, 45, yeah, um, on this, I guess, cattle ranch, um, and I made the comment, I was like, oh, it looks like, um, People smuggling, um, <laughs> which it kind of did. Um, but then it was like happy people smuggling. Like they were all happy, cheery. Well, I guess most of us, um, we counted about 45 people in there. So it was very packed. Um, and then on the way back, there was like stuff all around the truck. Um, but it, that was an experience in itself. So <laughs> a real fun experience. Um, one, if you can't really see that, but it's a scorpion. Um, <laughs> it was quite funny. It was underneath, like, the logs that I was lifting up, and they were like, look, it's scorpion. And then me and this Dutch girl was like, oh, my gosh, scorpion. And uh, they killed it for us, and so we kind of had to take a photo. We got to take a photo of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, not that one, but apparently <laughs> they found a snake and ate it. Yeah. Anyway, some too. Um, I didn't want to try. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, it was something, yeah, I didn't expect it. Oh, no. I When I got there, it was a bit overwhelming, all the, like, the how big it was, how big the, um, the village was, and how many people there were. There was, yeah, lots of people. Um, but one of the things I kind of hoped was to make connections with people. And um, I kind made, oh, um, I fortunately was able to speak a little bit of the language, so I was able to understand them. And one of this, uh, I guess a young lady wrote me a letter and she said, I don't normally write letters. Like I've been here 12 years or something and this is like my second time writing a letter to someone. And so like, it made um, such a big impact on me. And this little boy, 12 or so, he was new, and he's like, Kajo, 
kamu kaya um, gula, um, which means kajol, you're so sweet, like sugar. And I was like, oh, that's just like melts your heart. I don't know if he was flirting with me or something, but like, you know, <laughs> just like this cute little boy. But yeah, definitely um, loved my time there. Uh, something I struggled with was um, the kids were on holiday and so... Um, my goal was to like serve and do lots of things. And so there were moments where we didn't do much. And I was like, oh, I could be doing this. I could be doing that. But in kind of those resting moments, we were able to, I was able to kind of communicate and um, converse and make those kind of relationships and talk to people. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. So thank you. Okay, oh, so my name's Larissa, if you don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, that's the name they decided to give me. <laughs> um, so I have a story to tell, a little bit different to Joe. There were lots of things that um, I experienced and um, lots of stories I have to tell. Um, but there was, um, in the village one day, um, I went off to go um, sweep um, the floor of like a... It was like the forest floor where they had like um, services and stuff sometimes. Um, and I was the only one of our team there. Um, and so it was something, the story kind of impacted me and it gave me things to take away. Um, and so there's only one other person there who was not Indonesian who spoke um, good English. Um, and so I was waiting for our work to commence um, and... This girl, who's probably about 13, came up to me, um, and to my surprise, she started speaking um, a bit of English to me, um, and she didn't have perfect English, um, and I only spoke, like, a few words of Indonesian, um, like, pisang, banana, <laughs> which was not very helpful, um, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> and then we had the standard conversation of like hobbies and names and those basic questions um, and then we started to work so we um, split apart um, and then it was we had another break um, there was lots of breaks during this time um, very different kind of culture over there they're not like work 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 it's like break work for a little bit another break um, <laughs> and so she came up to me again I was like whoa what's happening um, and she started chatting to me and it got quite deep this time um, and she started talking to me about her family um, and how, like, her dad didn't have much to do with her and her mother wasn't, like, very interested. Um, and she kept talking about this and how it made her, um, like, even though she was in the village and very happy, she found herself, like, quite sad a lot of the time and crying. Um, and so this really stuck with me. Um, and it made me realise that... Um, Oh, sorry, I've lost my point. Um, <laughs> and, oh, yes, yeah, so it opened my eyes to how, like, blessed I am to be um, here in New Zealand and with a family that, um, like, loves and cares for me deeply. Um, and it made me really think deeply about the people around me. Um, and although I have struggles and everyone has struggles in their life, um, the things that, the gifts and the blessings that I do have, um, how much I should appreciate them. Um, so, going home from this, um, it made me think differently about the way I, like, treat and appreciate, like, my 
parents and my siblings and my family. Um, and although I obviously treat them nicely, um, I'm a person who loves to serve and I have great joy in doing this. Um, sometimes though, I do often like practicing that in my family sometimes when I'm like tired, I'm just like, I just wanna like watch TV or whatever. Um, so when I went home, I tried to be more intentional about serving my family. Um, and so from the story, there was kind of three things to sum it up that I took from it. Um, just because there's a language barrier doesn't mean someone can't feel listened to. She was like, kept on talking to me, talking to me. I was like, wow, like I don't understand everything she's saying and she doesn't understand me, but um, yeah, she felt open to talk to me. So it was real powerful. Um, and yeah, just to be grateful of all the blessings that I've got from God. Um, and yeah, just to serve my family and with enthusiasm. I show towards others. Yeah, that's it for now. Hey guys, I'm um, Daniel, if you guys don't know me. Um, I also had the privilege of going to Borneo, which was such a really great experience. So um, really thank you guys for supporting us and praying for us and stuff. Um, the first thing that I noticed in Borneo was, I guess in this picture they were worshipping and there was a real sense of um, reverence or fear of the Lord. The people there really, really, um, yeah, they they expressed their joy and their love for the Lord like nowhere else. Like you would go there and worship and it would just boom. Everyone was singing with their hearts just out on their sleeves and it was really, really awesome to see. Um, the uh, next one I had the opportunity to work in the workshop as well and the again the culture was really really different they would um, you wouldn't have work and break everything was kind of the same so you kind of just like work and talk to your mates kind of work do whatever um, it was really really different um, culture and they yeah, they seemed to just didn't hurry to go back home or anything. They were just, oh, yeah, we'll go home now. And it was great. It was quite a cool cultural thing. Um, actually, funny story. One time uh, they were giving out coconuts to people. And so one of them had a machete and he, like, cracked it open, gave me some coconut. I was like, oh, cool, sweet. Like, everyone starts eating it. And we're just like, oh, what the? Is this rotten or something? And then it turned out the guy had cleaned his machete with petrol and then everyone had like petrol on their coconut and they were like no one said anything and I was like is is this normal they were like nah nah <laughs> so that was that was fun experience um oh um actually there was this one really cool moment where I got a chance to go to um the dams so you ride up on this, well, there was this guy that took me there, his name was Daniel, and we jumped on the back of his motorbike, hooned up this hill, it was real, real dodgy, um, we get up to the top, we like jump off the motorbike, and we have to start bush bashing all the way up to the dam, so we get up there, he's like, has a machete cutting things open and stuff, and we're getting through this river, and um, oh, it was real funny actually, he... Uh, had his 
Crocs and they were in sports mode, you know, like they were ready to go. And he was complimenting me for um, how quickly I would get up the hill because he'll take a lot of foreigners and he'll be like, oh man, some people take half an hour, but you're like, you're in it. So I was like grabbing these trees and stuff and there was these huge um, centipedes and they were like real, real big and they were like black and yellow spikes and stuff and oh, it was just wild. But anyway, I went up to the top of the um, the dam and he, we were telling, he was telling me about the history of all these different springs in the different areas and one thing he noticed was the smaller springs would actually give more water, which was really, really cool because um, he told me in the first kind of, yeah, when there was only a small amount of people, they would only find a spring that would just survive for that amount of people. And whenever they needed more water, when there was more kids coming in, God would just provide way more water and they would just keep finding these springs that they didn't know about. And... um, yeah, there was such a cool, such a cool thing that God really provided when they needed it. They wouldn't, he wouldn't just have all this abundance of water. They slowly found these springs when they needed it. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. Just a reminder that God is our provider. We don't really look for the worldly things, but um, we look for God and stuff. Yeah, and that's pretty much. Oh, and these kids were really, really cool, actually. They will like, jump around and hang on trees and find these, like, tiny little berries out of nowhere. And, like, yeah, oh, it was really cool. And this was up one of the hills. and Yeah, and that's one of the um, views from the hill as well. And, oh, you can't really see it, but... That says Jesus on the top there, which means Jesus in Indonesian. So everywhere they were just like proud and unashamed about their religion and God, and it was great. Yeah, so that's me. Thanks for that. Yeah, different country to hear, eh? Like the the green and the lushness, you kind of. You understood that because we have so much green and lush, but woo, not the 33 degrees and 90% humidity. That was different. I was going to say, Joe, when you showed that um, picture of the food, did, who here came to our Indonesian banquet as our fundraiser? I was thinking we would have saved ourselves so much trouble if we just fed you what we had in the village, right? I know. I was like, why did we go to so much trouble? We could, that would have been authentic as well. But that's all right. Next time, yeah. <laughs> Man, it was a ride, eh? It was a journey. We, no one's mentioned yet to get to the village. You, you fly, we flew into Pontianak, which is a, a reasonably big um, city, but then we had to drive 10 hours to get to Living Waters Village. And so it's remote in the sense that, like, it's hard to get to, but there are surrounding villages all the way along the journey to it. So when I thought remote, I thought it's just plonked there in the middle of nowhere. Um, but really, there are people living all around the area. Like they said, they went to Mangapino, which is uh, 40 minutes away. So as we drove to Living Waters Village, we saw the reality of the condition of this island is not the same as what we saw in Living Waters Village. 
kind of what you would dream up when you think going to be in the jungles where it's like wooden shacks. Some of the houses were built on marshes where you could see any any moment the heavy jungle rains come in. There's no furniture in these homes because it's just wooden floors. If they had furniture, it would get ruined every time it rained. And you just saw very, um, very malnourished people in very poor, rubbishy conditions. And then you arrive at this place, <laughs> which is just, you can see that that's at TC, like Joe mentioned, and it's beautiful. Everything's paved. There is great roads, not like the ones that we drove in on. And it's running water. It's clean. It's electricity. And um, it was a very weird way to enter a different country to, to see like the poverty and then land in this place for 10 days. <laughs> um, and yet you saw in that the beautiful faithfulness and generosity of people who love Jesus around the world giving so that this is possible, so that kids can be moved out of those impoverished situations and be given um, good food, praise God for the food, and education, um, Yeah, so amazing just to see it, particularly after hearing lots of stories through KIC to actually be there ourselves. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my favourite part was having fun with the kids, eh? Like Joe said, they were actually on their last week of school holidays, so we got to spend a lot more time with the kids than if they were uh, in their usual school routine, and um, we got asked to run uh, school holiday programs, and this was actually just games one evening um, out there at TC playing Duck, Duck, Goose. They play a different version to us. <laughs> we, we're like, do they know Duck, Duck, Goose? And someone turns like, yeah, yeah, they know it, they know it. So we start to play, and then when the kids jump up, instead of chasing each other around the circle, they jumped up and they ran opposite ways around the circle, and all of us were like, what is this version? And like, sure enough, before too long, two kids like clashed straight into each other, fall down. They're like, I'm good, carry on <laughs> with the game. We're thinking like Kiwi stars, like, whoa, 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 hold up, is everyone okay? Get a band aid, incident report, stop the game, change to something new. They're just like, I'm fine. <laughs> Kept playing the game. Health and safety is not a thing there. Well, they, they try, they try, but. Man, it was just fun playing with them and connecting and in the evenings bringing out all the, all the toys like building blocks and um, they have foosball. So fun. <laughs> Lots of um, just games that we played together in the evenings. And what I found was that in those games, that's where the language barrier disappeared. Right, I've been learning for like two years Indonesian <laughs> and you get there and you realise how much you don't know. Um, but the things like the games that broke down that language barrier because you could build trust and connection and fun regardless. And um, when uh, Larissa and Joe and I ran the kids program, we taught them um, a song from kids camp that we'd learned here. And the kids got so involved and we were like, oh, let's do it in the church service on the Sunday. So we said, there's, there's 100 kids in this school holiday program. We're like, oh, we could probably get maybe 10 to 15 kids to like join us. So we said, okay, to these 100 or so kids, who would be interested in joining with us for Sunday night to do a dance? And we're thinking, you know, we might get five kids and convince another four. All 100 kids put their hands up. They're like, me, 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 I want to do it. So we were like, whoa. The enthusiasm, like Dan said, for faith and for Jesus and for worshipping was huge. Um, yeah, so we did. We did get to.
do a presentation on the Sunday night, which was fun. And there were also some cool artistic jobs, so I wasn't pulling nails out of wood all week. <laughs> I did do quite a bit of that, and rubbish collecting, and other exciting jobs like that. But um, yeah, it was fun to contribute um, in all those many ways. Um, yeah, with, with the language thing, I was saying with the dance, like it broke it down. But then there were moments, so that was like with the little kids, you know. And But then there were moments with uh, like the teenagers and things where you might um, have some free time. You've heard there was quite a bit of free time <laughs> where it's just like work, rest, work, rest. You kind of have to in that kind of heat. It's impossible to like just keep going full steam. Um, but I saw a girl sitting on a bench one day and I, um, I saw that she was very downcast, very sad. And I was sitting across from her and, um, and I thought, oh, should I sit next to her? So I go and I sit next to her and, um, and she just looks very sad. And I say, are you okay? And she just stared blankly ahead and said nothing, didn't engage with me at all, wouldn't look back at me or anything. I thought, oh, okay. Holy Spirit, what do I do in this situation? And I'm praying and what should I say? I don't, I don't want to touch her. That would be, you know, confronting. Do I, what can, what can I, can I pray for her? Is there a word for her? And um, as I'm sitting there praying all these things, going, how do I help in this situation? She just stood up and walked away. And I, <laughs> I stayed sitting on the bench and felt entirely helpless. And I felt, what? is this white girl from New Zealand doing sitting on this bench in the middle of a jungle in Indonesia, completely helpless, you know? Why, why am I here and how can I contribute? And it wasn't, like, it wasn't like Activate on a Friday night where if someone's sad, I can come alongside and be like, hey, what's up, what's going on for you? And we can enter into dialogue and conversation and counsel and prayer and, um, and move forward. It was just like, I can do nothing here. And it got me thinking, and I, I was speaking to one of the um, people who are full-time missionaries there, and I said, you know, once the basic needs for these kids are met, does it mean that all of this emotional trauma stuff comes up for them? And are there counsellors and are there people they can talk to if they want to about some of the really horrific backgrounds they've come from? And it, was, it gave me fresh perspective because they said, first of all, yes, there are. <laughs> there are house parents in each of the homes who journey with these kids and can talk through that stuff if they choose to. But this really opened my eyes. She said, for some instances, there are kids who come here who have had it rough and they can actually just be kids again. She said they can actually come here and learn and play and um, they play games for the first time like that would have been some kids first duck duck goose game and she said actually sometimes opposite happens sometimes instead of um, all of the trauma coming up sometimes because they can just be kids some of that stuff falls away for them they might deal with it when they're a little bit older but for that time of being children they actually just get to be children and that was really touching to me because here I was with this perspective of like, we must have to counsel them. We must have to give them action steps. We must have to get them through all this trauma that's in them. And then she was like, actually, they just get to play now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, praise Jesus. And um, so that was quite big for me to realize that and to have some of my um, perceptions of how things should be done or, um, or things challenged was really good. And, um, well... We're nearly there. We'll nearly wrap it up. Um, the, probably the last thing for me was 
um, to encourage you that like going to Living Waters Village or a different country to us that was like, we're going on our mission trip, we're being missionaries. Um, but to actually own the fact that we, we do that here as well in Aotearoa. Um, because a lot of people ask me, oh, what, what do you do back home? You know, the other visitors and things. What do you do back home? <laughs> and it's like a loaded question because I have like four different random jobs. And um, by the end of the time there, I actually just started replying to people, oh, I'm a missionary. <laughs> Because I'm doing all these weird different things, but the core purpose behind it all is to share the love of Jesus and to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And, um, and I felt that was something I knew, but I had forgotten. And God just placed in my heart again that actually Daniel and I don't have to give up our lives in Aotearoa and move to the jungles of Borneo to be missionaries. We can outwork the call and purpose of God in our lives right here in Aotearoa where he planted us. But also, wow, how amazing to go and see another country and see a different expression of the kingdom of God. Um, so, yeah, just to encourage you as well. You don't have to go to Borneo to be, to be a missionary, to be a light for Jesus. Um, do that here. That's where most of you will do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Is that it from us? Any other thoughts that have popped to mind that people want to share? Nah, it was a hoot. Um, we'll put on uh, some photos post-service so you can see a bit more of the visuals into our time away. And um, yeah, just encourage you if there's something sparked in your heart for global missions, whether it's for the country of Indonesia or, um, or something else, just to pray. Pray about that, press into that. Um, come and speak to someone in church about that if you want to see another team go to Living Waters Village. Express that you're interested. Don't don't wait for, the, for someone to be like, we're taking a team. Make it known if you're keen for stuff like that, I reckon. Um, and yeah, also thank you so much for listening. Hey, before you go, um, prank, yeah. Uh, I got given uh, someone who had a, a prophetic word for you guys, um, so I just want to read it out. The contribution, contributions you all made to the people of the village weren't just for the day on which they were made or for the week, month, or even the year during which they were made. No, your contributions will have internal significance well beyond what you can presently imagine. You faithfully and diligently sowed into lives, and although there were some language barriers, the Spirit of God knew no barriers. Some help from you, some encouragement, a smile, a touch, a prayer. The Holy Spirit transcended everything of a temporal nature and allowed you to communicate on a spiritual level. You won't see the full fruits of what you sowed in the village this side of heaven, but you will ultimately do so. And the Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servants. So that's a cool encouragement, eh? Awesome. So um, thanks for sharing your story uh, this morning, team. Let's give them another hand as they uh, go to sit down. Um, you know, one of the things I just want to uh, probably just cap off a little bit. Um, I've, I've been into the village a large number of times, and we've led a lot of teams over the 20 years that we've supported, 20-plus um, years, actually, we've supported Ronnie and Kay and the team that have set up Living Waters Village. Um, 
But one of the things that uh, every time I go there, I'm reminded of the fact that we sometimes think that being a missionary involves all these amazing experiences and things. You know, you get to stand up and speak to 100 people or you get to share your testimony or you sing a song. or There's all these imagery that we have of what it's like to be a missionary. Um, and, and there's almost, sometimes I, I find that people, there's almost this glorified thing that goes with being a missionary. But actually what these guys, their story they told was actually being a missionary involves the mundane more often than it ever involves anything amazing or supernatural or mind-blowing. That actually living life out with Jesus as part of it is the majority of what it means to be a missionary. Does that make sense? And sometimes, you know, and I, I just want to say, I just want to encourage us with that. You know, I love what Sonia finished with in terms of saying, I'm a missionary right here in New Zealand. That's true of all of us. We're all on mission. 99% of that missionary journey is the mundane, the doing the everyday stuff of life with Jesus as part of it. And then now and then we get a taste of the absolutely awesome supernatural moments of, of God breaking in and, and, and we go, whoa, wish we could. Actually, the most impact that happens in our world is just the mundane, how we go about doing the everyday, the stuff that goes on and making life work and how we involve Jesus as part of that, right? One of the things that I found in all my journeys into Living Waters Village is I would, the randomness of the jobs that you would get. But in amongst that was Jesus was always present. And, and the thing that inspired me was that the young people and the people that you're working with in the village, they were always super conscious that God was with them, whatever they were doing. And so there was a joy in the mundane because God was present, you know? And so I want to encourage us today, you know, you might not get to go overseas. Actually, for some of you, that's a good thing because it is hard work. It is, it is tiring. It is challenging. You have to face a whole bunch of stuff that, that goes on. Your expectations, your own internal work is probably the biggest thing that goes on on a short-term trip is you've got to deal with your own reactions and own things that are going on in your world. And often that's the, that's the biggest work that goes on on a missions trip. And for some of you, it's a good thing probably that you don't experience that. That's okay. But for some of you, um, and I personally believe that it's a good experience for everyone to have to get into a third uh, developing world country and see uh, the realities of what the rest of the world lives like because New Zealand, we are so, our wealth and our prosperity as a country isolates us from the realities of a lot of people's worlds. And, and so, you know, we will take another team. And as Sonia said, if you're interested, put your hand up early. Let us know so that we can organize to do that. But thank you, team. Really appreciate um, your sharing and, um, and your willingness to travel and put yourself in a pretty uncomfortable situation at times. Um, and other times, a really awesome one as well. And so we just honor you and thank you for doing that and sharing your story. But for the rest of us, um, we've got a week ahead of us uh, where we're on mission. You're on mission for Jesus. You might not have to travel overseas, but as you get up in the morning... 
Jesus is with you as you go to work, as you go to school. Jesus is with you. And he's wanting to be involved in the mundane and the ordinary of your life. Because as you do that, you actually are a witness as you involve Jesus in that. You are a witness to those around you. Um, so I bless you today to know that God is not absent from the mundane. He's right in the middle of it with you. And he wants to use you to make a difference in other people's lives as you live out your day-to-day life. Mm.